Hey everybody, we're the Mensch Warmers. Thanks for having us back. Uh, sorry we were off last week. Just uh, trying to get one more podcast in before the end of the year. Gabe, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, you know, we're a little bit penned in, waiting for for Omicron to come catch us all. Do you think? Do you think there's like a Hebrew lettering system we could be using for the the COVID variants? That's an interesting question. I think after the uh, well, these are Greek letters, right? And yeah. After that, we they got to go to some other system. Like it's not going to be like COVID, you know, variant alpha gamma. Like they can't go to double letters kind of thing. I right. think they got to go to a different language. So I Hebrew think, would uh, be a good one. yeah, I mean, I think it would probably contribute to some terrible anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. Uh, but aside from that, you oh, know, there aren't any of those about the coronavirus, are there? No, no, of course not. Um, why would there be a, uh, you know, rash of conspiracy theories that wouldn't all just boil down to anti-Semitism in the end? It's Anyways, very, very true. Uh, uh, but I wonder if like what the scariest Jewish COVID variant would be. Like, are there any are there scary Jewish letters? I know you and I have talked mm. like the Omicron variant is scary. We're both really terrified for whatever the uh, for whatever the Omega variant is going to have. But well, I think the answer variant, is Omega is, is going to be rough. Variant Koof, cough would be the worst because that's that just sounds like, you know, a cough. Uh, the cough, cough, the cough, be, what, cough, cough, you know, the pronunciation is a little different, but uh, it, it's close there. I think, I, I think Sadek, Raish, Raish also sounds bad. Raish would be bad. Any of the Tzofit letters, yeah, like a Tzadik Tzofit would be a yeah. really rough, like variant, that is the end. Variant is... Mem Sofit, that sounds very, <laughs> very ominous. That would be very, very, Nun Sofit as well would be very much so. Yeah. Well, Gabe but and the I Nun are... Sofit is the name of the uh, secret operation to destroy Catholicism. <laughs> Well, Gabe and I are on our own again. Uh, today, we're going to have a little feature running down as it's our last show of the uh, non-Hebrew calendar, our last show of the year. So we're going to run down some of the you know biggest and best and mo- most interesting, most memorable Jewish sports moment of the year. Uh, you know, little year-end list like like everybody else does. Got to got to get that SEO and uh, get that get that listicle work going, even in podcast form. Um, but before that, we get to that little bit of uh, Jewish sports news, as always. To get into um, someone who we've been trying to get as a guest, unfortunately, is very busy, busy because of the time of year and because he's coaching coaching the team. Is uh, the Maccabees are very busy at this time of year. Traditionally. It's a busy time of year for the Maccabees. So Elliot Steinmetz, uh, coach of the Yeshiva Men's uh, University Maccabees basketball team, uh, someone we've been talking to, trying to get on, and hopefully we'll get we'll schedule an interview that can go ahead uh, in the new year uh, soon. But as we're recording this, it's uh, December 15th, and the Maccabees just won their 50th straight game. Can you believe it, Gabe? And I, I, I cannot. It is a miracle worthy of Hanukkah. This is, we're, we're, at, we're at more than eight you know, quarters of, uh, you know, we thought the winning streak was only going to last one financial quarter, but it's made its way to at least eight now. So yeah, I, it's, it's amazing. It's absolutely yeah. amazing. So going back and, you know, we've talked about this before, I'm sure we'll talk about it again, hopefully with Elliot and, and uh, you know, as the streak continues into hopefully the division three tournament, um, the streak goes back to the 2019, 2020 season, they were undefeated and in the division three March madness tournament, which was canceled because of COVID um, last year, there wasn't a tournament. And uh, you know, I don't think there was a national champion declared for the division three. And so this year is their chance both to, have an undefeated season. And even if they don't have an undefeated season to, you know, go to the division three tournament and become national champions, they're, 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 they're ranked as the number one team right now. That's true. And, and recently, I mean, since we last recorded their star player, Ryan Turrell, or is it Terrell? I'm not sure. Terrell. Elliot yeah. will have to, to 
clarify that dropped a 50 burger on some jamokes from Connecticut. Yep. So uh, uh, good for him to expose everyone else with a huge game, um, especially, you know, uh, especially sort of come between the high holidays and Hanukkah season, the miracle season, uh, as the Jews know. Um, you know, for anyone who's seen the film, the classic film, Full Court Miracle uh, on the Disney Channel, uh, the Yeshiva Maccabees are really bringing it to life. So uh, a big, uh, uh, big, very, very much happiness for the Yeshiva Maccabees. Unfortunately, we couldn't get Elliot this month, which would have been um, some nice Besheret. But uh, can we call that Besheret? Is that Besheret? No, you're, you're entirely misusing that. Okay. Well, it, it's not Besheret. I thought Besheret is like fate. No, it means like beloved. Whoa, no. Now we're having a disagreement between Jamie and our producer, Michael. Producer Michael, who's coming from from Arizona, land of the older Jews. Yeah, it means destiny, but it's like soulmate. People use it to mean soulmate. Yeah, like my Besheret. Yeah, but I think that's my soulmate. But you could say, oh, this is Besheret. It means it's like kismet. It's meant to be. Uh, yeah, but in like a romantic context, I don't think it, it really works in this in this I way. Think, I think we could use it in another co- oh, We're getting a guest appearance, a raised hand from our producer, Michael. It's the end of the year. Uh, I don't care. G- Gabe is right. <laughs> it means it means fate. Uh, but people use it like, oh, you're like, it's fate that you are my soulmate, right? Like we're destined to be together. But the broader meaning is uh, like like uh, uh, serendipity. Okay, whatever. I've never heard someone use it that way. And uh, you know, I stand I've never it. heard someone use it in any way. I just know it's a term. That's that, that's what uh, we use this uh, audible medium for is testing out words that we've never actually heard out loud. We've only read. Exactly. So speaking of which, about a word I've never heard, um, but uh, I've never heard someone say, but I'm reading out loud. I'd like to talk to you about the recent performance of Yan Alexandrov. Alexandrovich Nepomniachtchi, who uh, is the current runner-up of the World Chess Championship. Jamie? So I looked this up, and I'm trying to do my uh, Russian in-laws and family proud in saying it's Jan Nepomniachtchi. And I think that's... Nepomniachtchi. Nepomniachtchi. And I think that's pretty close. So yeah, um, Nepomniachtchi was the challenger to uh, multi-year now reigning chess champion Magnus Carlsen at the recent uh, World Chess Championship. One thing to mention about Napomianchi is that, you know, in the world of chess, some of the smartest and greatest minds all over the world still just call him Nepo because his yeah. name is too hard to pronounce. Yeah, I think that um, makes sense. And especially for, there's probably no sport more than chess that is like, I don't know, universally beloved by very many different cultures with very many different ways of talking. And I think I think uh, simplicity of a certain sense is is very, very important. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, There's a lot of there's sort of a lot of uh, uh, Jewish uh, uh, history and chess. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But just to talk about Nepo for a second, he's, you know, ranked sort of fifth in the world, wasn't really expected to make a huge lot of noise this year. Um, but over the last two and a half years has been on a truly remarkable winning streak. Um, sort of all over the world, winning at the chess Olympiad, um, winning tournament after tournament, winning global masters, uh, winning the world team chess uh, championship two years ago. Um, and in this huge run, uh, actually beat Magnus Carlsen, the world championship <laughs> right. in a charity game. Um, so that sort of, gave him a lot of confidence to continue fighting, continue winning 
all the way into winning the candidates tournament, which is sort of the reigning champion plays the champion in the candidates tournament every year. Um, and uh, Nepo won it um, sort of spectacularly. Um, um, you know, he only won by half a point, but he sort of it was a cap on a really spectacular, you know, multi-year chess cycle um, to then get, uh, I would say, politely beat um, by Magnus Carlsen. Nepo, unfortunately, didn't quite have it at the tournament, um, but he certainly made a lot of our Jewish uh, Jewish chess fans proud. There's a long history of Jewish chess players, um, and we'll talk about that. Uh, but one yeah, so he quick- lost he lost seven and a half to three and a half. I don't. I, I, he tied a number of games, but he didn't win any, I don't think, outright. No. And um, the commentary that I read seemed to suggest that he, he sort of made a few bad blunders in the two games. And I think... Um, yeah, he got like, beat in, I think, three games. And in one yeah. of them, there's a gif that's going around the internet of Magnus Carlsen, like, shaking his head and kind of He couldn't believe how bad the blunder was. Yeah, couldn't believe how bad the blunder was, which and is I, not I, great. I think just, you know, ultimately, it's one of those games where, um, I mean, obviously, the strategy is incredibly important, but all the people playing at this level are you know, well-versed in the strategy. Some of it is just the sort of mental stamina of being able to compete these, you know, crazy, you know, week-long, weeks-long tournaments, you know, eight, nine-hour games. Uh, and an uh, American chess grandmaster, Fabio Caruna, who's roughly in the same age, same generation, um, runs marathons, not as a hobby, but for training for chess. Yeah. Is that the marathons are the training so he can, you know, continue thinking while putting his body through a ton of stress. Yeah. Um, and apparently he's a really good marathoner too. So, Gabe, you mentioned uh, the sort of Jewish history of chess. Not not something we've talked about in great detail. I think we are on team chess as a sport because, you know, why not? Um, Jews are probably overrepresented in chess more than any other sport. And and that's largely, you know, Russian or former Soviet uh, players who uh, who excelled. But, uh, you know, the, the one American example that comes to mind, obviously, is Bobby Fischer, who had, let's say, a complicated relationship with Judaism, <laughs> uh, especially uh, towards his later years. I don't know if it's even that complicated. I think he just decided it wasn't for him or should have been for anyone. Um, yeah. You know, Bobby Fischer famously was raised Jewish uh, from Chicago, um, won, you know, was uh, the world chess championship and a grandmaster for four years. I mean, grandmaster for a long time, but was the world chess champion uh, and the number one in the world uh, for a number of, of years. Um, and then about, uh, you know, throughout his entire life has sort of been a very prominent self-hating Jew. Um, since at least the 1960s, he's been recorded with some pretty serious rants uh, against Jewish people. And oh, then yeah, Holocaust uh, denial, like Hitler worship, like, like really the worst of the worst. I think, you know, there's something, you know, there's, there's that sort of cliched term about the uh, line between genius and madness. And he was sort of the, the embodiment of that, I think, for a lot of his life. Oh, absolutely. Life. Um, and, and so apparently, um, so just to, apparently Fisher, you know, was privately anti-Semitic since the sixties uh, and then only sort of came out with it in the eighties. And then uh, in 2015 or 2015, 2005, he decamped to Iceland where he sort of, his mental state deteriorated further. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, it, as we go into the end and, and until the end um, he was sort of left alone in Iceland to continue his anti-Semitic screening. So Bobby Fisher, while once a Jew, I don't think we want to claim him anymore. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a few, you know, less nebulous stories. Gary Kasparov is one that comes to mind, uh, you know, born half Jewish uh, in Azerbaijan. I think I, you know, identifies with his Jewish half, at least to a certain degree. I think um, nowadays being, he, he says he yeah. was raised Christian. 
um, and I think was sort of the dominant part of society and you know high class Azerbaijan at the time. Um, and and now is a lot more in touch with Judaism, also from yeah. a, a sort of a, a global citizen perspective. And we should mention as well Judith Polgar, uh, the Hungarian uh, chess champion, who's you know cons- I think considered by many to be one of the one of the strongest female players in the history of the game. Um, you know she's uh, in her forties now, but uh, in the nineties and two thousands, early two thousands, she was you know one of the highest, probably the highest ranked woman, or I think achieved the highest ranking that a woman had ever achieved. Um, Absolutely, you know, so still a pretty um, and- impressive thing. Israel, um, you know, notably, apparently, you know, grandmaster is a ranking you achieve from playing quality players. Uh, Israel has the most grandmasters per capita. Um, So even more than Russia, even more than, you know, a lot of countries in Eastern Europe, there is even more than America. There is a huge tradition of chess in Israel that continues to this day. Um, One notable fact, you know, obviously Kasparov takes up 20 full years of this, um, but up until 2005, over half of all individual world chess champions were Jewish. Wow. Um, You know, there was only 13 because Kasparov held the title for 20 (laughs) full years, Um, but seven of those 13 were Jews. Very cool. Um, Gabe, why don't we move on to talk about some of our uh, favorite or most interesting, uh, most notable Jewish sports moments of of 2020. Uh, Do you want to start us off with one? Absolutely. I was Sorry, say 2020, 2021. The COVID is getting to me a little bit. And I think all the Omicron discussion is making me think that we're back in March 2020 all over again. So <laughs> um, uh, the, the great moments of, of Jewish sports in 2021. Great moments of Jewish sports. I want to start us off with probably the most mainstream Jewish sport uh, moment, which is the 2021 uh, World Championships of the Atlanta Braves, one of the more Jewish baseball teams in history featuring Jock Tober, uh, the bad B with a string of pearls, who is proudly Jewish, and Max Fried, who might be, you know, not only is very Jewish, but sounds, looks, and, you know, is sort of Jewish. We talked about that is very, very, you know, as my uncle would say, obviously Jewish. Right. Um, as, as they say on the broadcast, he's a big fan of Sandy Koufax, um, which might be the confirmed bachelor of the 2020 Jew set. Uh, well, I think, I think the Braves are great because they had both Fried, who is the sort of, you know, Jewish, very, you know, typical Ashkenazi name. Ashkenazi bookish. Look. He's yeah, a bookish, bookish man you know, cerebral pitcher kind of type. And then also the uh, the more crypto Jewish Jock Peterson, who, you know, I think is the first Jew named Jock, first of all, uh, whose last name is Peterson. You know, he's half Jewish, but, you know, proud of it and talked about it. And, uh, you know, he's more of the, oh, Jock Peterson's Jewish. I never, I never knew that. So uh, what, what's both, the opposite of a cards. Mike Jacobs all-star? Should we, can we decree it a Jock Peterson all-star? The, Someone the who Jewish you don't think is Jewish, Jewish, but, but is? Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, so that was a great story. I mean, they also, Alex Bregman, obviously as well, and, and Garrett Stubbs, it turned out in the end, played for Houston in the World Series and what, uh, you know, was written widely as, as I wrote widely about as the most Jewish World Series ever. And I think that was a very, a very cool thing. Um, and, and obviously Freed just to, you know, put it up there is that he, uh, pitched the clinching game of the World Series. Yes, and um, did an excellent job. And did an excellent job. Really, you know, brought it home sort of across the high holiday season, which is something we are very, very proud of. Right. Well, uh, jumping off from that, we should say that uh, there was a, you know, sort of conclusion to a long cycle in baseball uh, for a Jewish team in a different light. And that was, of course, the Israel baseball team at the 2020 Summer Olympics. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think the, the notable story here is just, Israel as a whole at the 2020 Summer Olympics. It's, it's really 
by leaps and bounds, the country's most successful Olympics ever. Um, four medals, including two gold medals at, at the Tokyo Games. Um, you know, Linoy Ashram won the gold medal in the women's uh, individual rhythmic gymnastics competition. Um, Artem Dolgopiat won the uh, gold medal in the men's floor exercise. Uh, mm -hmm. There was, you know, I think more athletes at the, uh, the 2020 Games than Israel had ever sent. Now, a large part of that was the Israel baseball team. And we've talked about this a lot. The team ultimately didn't make it to the uh, didn't make it to the podium, but they no. fought hard. They came pretty close. It was, you know, I think to two for us Blue Jays fans, uh, a very sad uh, Jose Batista walk off home run that ended <laughs> Israel's time in the baseball tournament. It's sort of uh, hard, hard to true. fathom. That's the way. Or sorry, a walk off hit. It wasn't a home run, but uh, hard to fathom. That's the way it ended. But uh, still, it was a, it was an amazing culmination of a multi multi years of Israel baseball, the Israeli baseball team just sort of overachieving and making it to the Olympics. And, uh, you know, I, I'm anticipating a new world baseball classic that's going to come and an Israel baseball team that's just going to grow and grow and, and uh, get stronger and stronger as years, as years go on. You know, a good opportunity to talk, share a big muzzle tub with our uh, friend of the podcast and inspiration, Nate Fish, um, who just before the tournament uh, was named, uh, or just after the tournament, I should say, was named manager of the team. Yes. Um, which was a long time coming. And, you know, we know he's going to take that World Baseball Classic team to new heights. He's a very well-connected and well-beloved guy at all levels of baseball. Um, and if anyone can build a great team of Jewish players, it's him. Yeah. And uh, I should say, in terms of looking at the future, we will be, of course, following uh, the Israeli delegation to the 2022 Beijing Winter Olympics, anticipating that it's going to be smaller than the Summer Olympics delegation. <laughs> but... Uh, Israel, Israel has never won a winter Olympics medal. Maybe this is the year who knows, uh, that's something, certainly a, a big story to keep an eye on in 2022, uh, the frozen chosen. Yeah. See if we'll, any we'll of the frozen chosen of coverage of the frozen chosen over the next two months. Uh, we've got some great guests and great conversations lined up, ready to talk about it. Um, and, and we'll look to covering the Olympics from all perspectives soon. Gabe, any other, uh, big moments from the year that you want to talk about? Yeah, um, this one isn't so good, but I okay. think it was worth discussing, which was um, sort of the anti-Semitism fracas that uh, enraptured Myers Leonard, NBA player Myers Leonard, who uh, used some anti-Semitic language on a Twitch stream while playing one of the killing video games. I don't know which one, but one of the sure. military cosplay murder ones. Um, and, and, you know, he dropped some, some anti-Semitism, uh, which... Obviously, we don't like he, you know, was a starting player or sorry, a rotation player on the team that had made the finals less than a year earlier. Um, Miami's a big market, the Jewish owner um, and a lot of Jewish fans. Um, but one thing I actually think is, is worthwhile is that uh, even though he did an incredibly dumb thing and the video is there of him and a hateful thing of him answering the phone where someone says, listen, you got to end your stream now. Um, right. He it seems took some actual time to apologize and get involved in the Jewish community. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think, think that's, that that's probably the good thing to focus on. I mean, you know, it was unfortunate that he said, said what he said, but uh, he has sort of, I think, acknowledged that he is deserving of some punishment and he's done his best to make amends. Uh, oh. You know, we live in an imperfect world and, and he wants to, to make it a little better by, by at least changing his own ignorance and embracing that. Um, for sure. Unfortunately, it might, I mean, it might've ended his, his NBA career. He was released in March just after this happened. Um, and, uh, hasn't played since didn't sign with any teams now. Um, which, 
you know, is, is not too bad for him. Um, but you know, I think he has a lot of time and a lot of energy to focus on repairing relationships and, and spending time in the community, which honestly in Miami, it looks like he's doing. Yeah. I, I, I think it's probably unlikely that he'd be back with Miami again, just in part, probably due to the size of the Jewish community there. I saw, uh, Pat Riley was recently asked about him and he said, he thinks he'll be back in the NBA. Um, at some point, you know, again, pro- you know, Pat Riley's in charge of that to a certain degree. He could Absolutely. sign him to be on the heat if he wanted to, but uh, you know, he hasn't. So that's, uh, that, that's probably one door closed, but there might be a, a chance for him to, to go somewhere else. And, you know, I, I, you know, I think that uh, in an ideal world, famous people, athletes, anyone doesn't say anti-Semitic things on, on, you know, live streams of them playing video games. But if they do, it is good to see them make amends or try to make amends and do better. And- Circling back on that last thing I mentioned, did you see the trailer for the new television series about the Showtime Lakers? No, I didn't. Because Adrian Brody is pay- is playing young Pat Riley. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good look. Does that he have the a- slick back hair? He doesn't. It's like, I think it's a little too early for him to have like the slick back hair because that was more like 80s Pat Riley. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. If, if I was like, if I was Irish, I guess, Irish American, I think I'd be a little upset about the Adrian Brody casting and the uh, not, not bring Brody some truth is- to it. You know, a, a rare Jewish Nicholas. You know, his middle name is Nicholas, so it's a very rare Nicholas. Okay. Uh, to be Jewish, um, you know, half Catholic, half Jewish. Pat Riley, I think, is about as Catholic as they get. Um, so it's it's interesting to me that you know you get a Jewish guy to play him. I'm happy for it. Um, but when we go back to talking about uh, uh, sort of the anti-Semitism, there was a debate recently um, on the NBA Reddit that was wondering if Myers Leonard converted to Judaism after learning about all of the things about Judaism, would he be allowed back to play for the Miami heat? Would the heat bring him back if he converted or as, as some commenter said, pull a Tim Watley, uh-huh. pull a Tim Watley converting just for the, uh, just for the chance of playing uh, NBA. Just for the chance again. of playing the NBA again, or just I mean, for the I- jokes, but in a, in a bad way. As you know, I think I think conversion is a is a relatively long process for most people. So if that's his route back and he doesn't uh, come back for another few years, like I don't know if that would have been the smartest way of getting back to the NBA. But if that's how his uh, journey, if that's where his journey takes him, you know, uh, that's fine. <laughs> I guess I'd be surprised if that's where it goes. Uh, do, um, you have, do you have another memory of 2021, Jamster? Yeah, so so something else I, I want to say, not exactly on a sad note per se, but a sort of marking time uh, that that uh, we noted around the same time, I think last spring, was that uh, one of the greatest Jewish football players of all time, Julian Edelman, retired. Uh, Julian was, of course, the first Jewish Super Bowl MVP. Uh, he won multiple championships with the uh, with the New England Patriots. Unlike his other teammates at that time, he hasn't unretired to to go back <laughs> to play for the Bucks. And, and one last and championship. Not only, uh, I mean, he was so proudly Jewish. I can't think of a lot of NBA player or other NBA NFL professional athletes who like wore the big high under his jersey. Yeah, like, and he that, was out there. And that I think is one of the most interesting things about about Julian Edelman. You know, he he his father's Jewish, his mother's not. Uh, you know, he didn't really identify or uh, talk about his Judaism a lot in the early part of his career. And then he was spurred on in in large part, I think, by the uh, the Etzheim pogrom. And the response to that to, you know, both publicly embrace his Judaism to show it, you know, he wore cleats with the, uh, you know, hashtag stronger than hate 
uh, slogan on it and, uh, you know, it's high on, on his cleats when the NBA does it sort of, you know, cause month. Um, he um, wore, he wore a, a Israeli American relationship pin yeah. um, for a lot of his career as well. He's been vocal about it, uh, you know, going back quite a while ago now when, when there was another anti-Semitism controversy with Deshaun Jackson, uh, Edelman was very vocal about that and sort of, you know, calling him out and calling him in uh, to sort of talk about that and uh, address those remarks. And, uh, you know, there was talk not that long ago about him studying for his bar mitzvah. So he's embraced it publicly and privately. Um, and I think you know, for a lot of guys, he was a, he was a visibly Jewish guy. He's a short, short receiver. Um, he was, a, you know, he had a Jewish last name. People knew he was Jewish, played in Boston, um, played for a Jewish owner and, and, you know, had a Jewish teammate, Nate Abner, and uh, was just a guy. I think everyone, everyone in the community really embraced. He was scrappy. Uh, you know, he was, he was the kind of, you know, great white hope uh, football player that uh, great that Yiddish to, hope, great Yiddish hope that, that people tend to glom onto uh, just a guy with a lot of heart. And, you know, that's why he won a Super Bowl MVP. He wasn't the most physically dominating guy. Uh, but he was able to, you know, put together a really impressive career. Uh, and, you know, tying it back to Myers Leonard, he was one of the first pro athletes to respond to, to Leonard and uh, said an open letter saying he would take him to Shabbat dinner with his friends in Miami um, and sort of show him that what Jewish people are really like, which I, you know, is, takes a mensch to do something like that, especially when faced with anti-Semitism. So I think it's a great call out to, uh, to Mr. Edelman there. Uh, and, and, you know, sad to see him go, but happy to continue his career. One thing I didn't know about him, uh, that I learned while researching this today, he's actually the second, second all time in postseason receiving yards. Yeah. Um, yeah. so he's got one of the greatest playoff careers ever, um, yeah. sort of almost a Sandy Koufax of the NFL playoffs. I think that really puts him on the, uh, you know, the list for guys who, who might make the hall of fame. It, it's tricky because his, his career numbers are not as good as you might you might need to get into the hall of fame, but his playoff numbers really put him over the top. And uh, in some regards, and, you know, three champ, three rings as, as a Patriot are, are pretty impressive. Like there aren't even that many guys who were on the team for, for all three of those later Super Bowls. Uh, so it's something to consider and we'll see what happens in the future. Um, certainly winning the Super Bowl MVP is, is, you know, a sign of, of what his playoff, uh, playoff prowess was. It's almost, um, almost sort of a, a, a cap on the end of his career. Yeah. Gabe, any last uh, moments you want to mention things from the year that you wanted to talk about? Um, I mean, we, we've talked about a number of them. Um, I think something that's also uh, in my mind, you know, uh, worth discussing from, you know, a number of positions, as you mentioned, uh, team Israel baseball team, but Obviously, we want to give some shout outs to Sue Bird, who won yet another championship, another record championship and another gold medal um, to her career. So, you know, I feel like this, we talk about Sue Bird a lot and her trophy case is always filling up. But it was another banner year for Sue Bird, um, you know, getting engaged, obviously. So a muzzle tov to her and winning both, you know, her, I think it's her fifth gold medal and her fourth championship ring. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, a huge, huge summer for her. Um, which I obviously want to want to talk about. And another sort of big, uh, exciting Jewish move um, is that not only does the city of New York now have a team in the National Women's Soccer League, but they have their GM is Yal Averbuck, who uh, played for the, it was Jewish and played for the U.S. National Women's Team too. So from, uh, you know, on the women's sports side, uh, there's some, a couple of really exciting and Jewish triumphs. I think um, Averbuck would be the first, uh, certainly the first Jewish GM in that league. And I think in all of North American soccer. 
um, but not the first, uh, obviously not the first uh, female GM as it, in the women's league. There are many, but still a huge, huge uh, uh, milestone. Good, for the good for her. Yeah, absolutely. Good for her. Um, one other thing I just wanted to mention as well as something we've covered in the past, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again uh, with our with our future guest, hopefully Elliot. But uh, his son Jacob Jake Jacob Jake Steinmetz <laughs> was drafted in uh, the third round of the MLB draft this year, and was sort of written about at the time as the, you know the first known practicing Orthodox player to be drafted in the MLB draft. Um, Ellie Ellie Kig- Kligman, uh, who. <laughs> participated in some of uh, Israel baseball's uh, games. I'm not, I don't think at the Olympics, but afterwards at the European baseball championship uh, was also drafted in, uh, in the fourth or fifth round. And, you know, they're both Orthodox Jews, uh, observant Jews, and maybe they will be the first guys to, you know, observe the Sabbath and observe the Sabbath and uh, make it to major league baseball. And still, yeah, it would be extremely cool that if they, you know, say, say he winds up, they play a game in Chicago. It's a 4 PM Friday start. You know, after the sixth inning, the sun's going down and he calls his own number. It says, coach, I got to go. Uh, I think that would be great. Um, just sort of a real Kofax on Yom Kippur moment for the people. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I think we've talked about this before that there's so much pressure on these kids. They're, you know, 17, 18, 19 years old when they get drafted. And, you know, even if they have success in the major leagues, that might not start until four or five years from now. So it's hard to talk about any of this with, uh, you know, any sort of certainty that they're going to do this or that. Baseball is a bit of a crapshoot, but uh, obviously we wish them well. And it's something we'll, we'll be following for the next many years. Absolutely. Um, are there any, I, we, I'm happy to chat about, uh, 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 any of this continuing on, um, but uh, we should probably wrap up this show. If anyone has any more thoughts of their favorite Jewish sporting moments of the year, please send them our way on Twitter. One thing we'd like to leave with you uh, for the end of the year, because we're not sure we're going to speak again. Um, Producer Michael, who's decided to insert himself into the participation of this episode. Would you like to share with us your favorite Jewish sports moment of the year? Oh, he, he, he's shy, folks. You got to You got to clap for him. You got to clap for him. <laughs> He is shaking uh, his head. Uh, uh, no, I would not, Gabriel. No, I, I think he would. I'd love to hear it. I'll, I'll mention the tweet I sent to you guys the other day uh, of the Toronto Raptors uh, official Twitter account pointing out how Fred Van Vliet uh, spun like a dreidel to, uh, to to finish a move. I thought that was a nice moment. I enjoyed yeah, that's seeing, good. seeing that good. reference. It, it would have been even better if they didn't tweet it out more than a week after Hanukkah ended. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I would say that... Uh, if you are or you know who is the Raptors uh, Twitter person <laughs> it's true. You and whether or not the they're Raptors. Jewish, if you I, are that person, let us know and, and we'll, you know, feel free to talk to us about uh, what inspired I, that tweet. I'm going to guess if, if you are that person and don't yet listen to this podcast, as soon as someone tells you about it, you will. Yeah. Uh, you know, one last thing to mention about, about this year, 2021, that's been a, a whirlwind. The other big Jewish sports highlight in our lives. We came back, you know, this podcast was gone. Uh, the Canadian Jewish News unfortunately shut down in, in April or, or May 2020 and uh, was revived, you know, first in, in podcast form and an online newsletter form in the early parts of 2021 uh, or, or maybe even the late parts of 2020. But we, we came back as a podcast, you know, we, we started off with some great interviews and I think we've had some unbelievable episodes this year talking about Jews at the Olympics uh, talking about Israel baseball, talking about Israeli and, and Jewish athletes in all, all different ways, talking about anti-Semitism and really important issues. We've had been joined by some fantastic guests. Uh, I'm not going to name them all, but really just 
fantastic guests up and down who have been so generous with their time. And, uh, you know, we hope to continue doing this as long as they'll let us uh, and continue to bring you interesting stories, uh, interesting interviews, and all the sort of, you know, news of Jews and sports. So, so I want to say thank you to Michael, our producer. Thank you to the Canadian Jewish News, uh, all our friends and fellows on the uh, Canadian, Jewish pod Canadian Jewish News Podcast Network. Um, thank you. Thanks. Thanks to you, Gabe, for, for, you know, being here with me and, uh, you know, this is this continues to be a, a fun highlight in a in an otherwise bleak world. It does. We just want to bring you joy, and we we'd like to continue to extend that thanks to you, the listening public, as we come piping into your brains every fortnight uh, uh, through your headphones. Um, we will be back in 2022, so we'd love to if you kept on this journey with us because we feel that the show just keeps getting better and better. Our guests are getting more and more exciting with more fun stories. Um, you know, some of our favorite episodes of the year, you, you, you'll hear some great conversations from sports all the way from football to soccer to wrestling to basketball. We've had guests of all stripes on the show, and we're going to continue to do so. So thanks again to you, the listeners, for sticking with us through this long and rough year. But we'll be back next year, and we yep. continue to, to ride this momentum. Hunker down for Omicron. All our episodes are on there. Whatever podcast app you use to, to download them, find our old episodes, find the things you're interested in, uh, share with your friends and family. And, you know, we'll see you. We'll see you soon in a few weeks back in 2022. Guys, I've got it. Lag, but Omicron. Nice. Nice.